0: go on right.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Low Life Motherfucking Chopper Podcast. We got a great episode for you guys tonight. We are going to be talking to Clay Crick, aka White Trash White Rice. We're going to be going over the whole build and the backstory, his skill set, where he learned to do all the things he does, and a whole lot more. But before we get into that, we need to kick this thing off the way we always do. With these motherfucking sponsors. First up, we got Chop Cult. The hub in the home of your next build thread. So swing on over to Chop Cult. Add yourself to the Brolodex. Scroll through the classifieds. Read through the blog. And tell Lisa she's doing a killer job. Next up, we got ChopShit.com. The Chopper Plug. Chicken Rick himself. This is the official home of the Low Life merch and... He's going to be stocking some exclusive low-life American flag banners. The only place you can get them, chopshit.com, as well as hand-picked parts from builders across the world. Go to chopshit.com and follow Rick on Instagram at chickenfriedchoppers. Next up, we got Broadway Customs all the way out in Englewood, Colorado. Check out Broadway.customs.cycles. ...on Instagram to keep an eye on their feed. These guys do it all. Commercial and automotive fabrication, CNC plasma cutting, 3D printing, and a whole lot more. Give them a follow on Instagram. And if you're in the Englewood area, bring your bike on over there if you need service. Next up, we got Lowbrow Customs. Everything you need for the road ahead and everything I needed for my motherfucking coil and spark plug wires... Shout out to Lowbrow Customs for coming through with the order. Super fast. Always appreciate the quick shipping. Tyler's a great dude. Lowbrow supports events across the country. Great company to buy from. Next up, we got Paco. 52 years in the motherfucking game. It's no joke. They got all the parts you need for your Harley Davidson motorcycle. From frames to front ends, headlights, transmission components, and a whole lot more over at Paco.com, and you can keep an eye on them on Instagram, at Paco Parts. Next up, we got the homie Wes over at Custom Destruction, making the dopest lids. You pick the shell color, the trim package. Is it going to be an LX helmet or an EX? You pick the liner color, and he does custom orders. So if you don't see something on the website that you want, Hit him up. He can source the fabric. You could send the fabric to him. Whatever you need to do, Wes can get it done. He is making the only helmets that make the ugliest motherfucker look sexy. Next up, we got your boy, Pharaoh Fabrication, right here in Londonderry, New Hampshire, for all of your hard-tailing needs. Also, if you need repairs on your case because you came in a little hot, cracked your motor, You know I do all that specialty welding, and I would be happy to take care of your project. Hit me up on Instagram at Ferro, that's F-E-R-R-O, Fabrication, and shoot me a message. Let me know what I can help you with. And then last but not least, we got the homie Black Dog Towing out in the Epping, New Hampshire area. When your chopper stops going, you call Black Dog Motherfucking Towing. All right. So, that gets us through the sponsors. A quick reminder that if you are going to be going to Deadbeat this year, or you're maybe you're not from the New England area, and you've always wanted to come to Deadbeat, we are doing our usual trip where we fly one lucky lowlife out to the motherfucking Deadbeat retreat. All you have to do is be a member of the Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash low life chopper podcast you click on giveaway level supporter and you are in make sure when you do that though you put your instagram handle as your name so we can actually find you every month from now to may right now all the way through august and into september oh no somebody actually somebody wrote to us to remind us that deadbeat happens in august not early september so you got May, June, July, and August for your chance to win. Every month that you're a member of that giveaway, uh, the giveaway sponsor, you get to have another entry into the hat. Three weeks before Deadbeat, we're going to do the drawing And we're going to pick one lucky lowlife to be flown out to the Deadbeat Retreat. Or if you want to ride your chop, that'd be super fucking cool. We'll pay for your gas. We'll pay for your hotel along the way. Whatever it is to get you to the show. And we'll put you up for the weekend. Feed you. Give you free beer. The whole fucking shebang. So, like I said, patreon.com slash podcast. Become a giveaway level supporter and every month you have another chance at winning the all expenses paid trip to the Deadbeat Retreat. Which brings us to this month's giveaway sponsor which is the motherfucking homie Jerry over at 812 Inc. is going to be donating some attitude adjusters as we're calling them. Some fancy hand jewelry for smacking the taste out of somebody's mouth. So If you want to get in on that, you do that giveaway level supporter thing I just talked about and you follow 812 Inc. on Instagram. When we do the drawing, we are going to check to make sure you are following motherfucking Jerry at 812 Inc. And if you are, you are going to be getting sent a set of attitude adjusters straight to your motherfucking doorstep. Do not miss out. All right. That being said, let's see here. I don't want to take up too much time, so we'll, we'll skip the, uh, the shout-outs and the kicks in the dick for next week. We'll save it because I know if you're listening to this, a lot of you wrote in to say you wanted to hear White Trash, White Rice on the motherfucking podcast. We met, Finally, we're able to make it happen, and we're stoked to bring it to you. So, With no further ado, I will take us right into the interview with Clay Crick. All right, guys, we are live on the phone with Clay Crick, a.k.a. White Trash, White Rice. Long overdue. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, bud. How's it going? It's going good, man. We're stoked to finally have you on. We've been looking. People have been sending us pictures of this this wild People's Champ 10 bike for a long time now, so it's good to finally have you. We're going to dive into all the details of the build, how you came up with the concept and all that good shit. But before we get into all that, I think a good place for us to start would be, how did you get into motorcycles to begin with? And then we'll kind of make our way up to where you're at now.
2: Well, I started riding dirt bikes and four wheelers and stuff uh, when I was three years old. So I kind of had a little background in motorcycles then. um, And then I, was in the car scene when I was like 16, 17. And I remember some guys that used to hang out there, rode Harleys. They didn't have choppers, but you know, I started talking to them about their bikes and stuff. And they said, Hey, do you want to uh, build a chopper? Cause I told them I had this iron head engine. My dad bought years ago to build a bike, never got around to it. I didn't know what it was. And uh, I was like, no, I don't really want to build a chopper because I was thinking of, the wide tire stuff, which, which is, is cool in a way, but it's just, you know, wasn't really what I was into. Sure. And they started showing me all these seventies, sixties, seventies bikes. And I had no idea um, about any of this until they showed me. So that really kind of opened my eyes to the, to the world of choppers.
1: So did it start with the iron head? Was that the first bike that you built?
2: Yeah. 83 iron head. Um, one of the guys sold me a frame um for it, a hardtail frame. And they none of them built choppers. They were kind of getting into it as well. And uh the the motor ended up not fitting in the frame. It was like some custom frame somebody made, never put a motor in it, and mine didn't fit. So I that ended up good. ended up trading that for a a Paco hardtail frame for it. And uh going from there just kind of looking at stuff online and um, asking some people some people didn't get back to me but um just kind of figuring it out
1: yeah so the iron head is i'm seeing this is the picture the one you've got in front of this uh bart simpson mural on your page yes yep yeah so that thing is fucking rad yeah when you were talking about the frame i was looking at that and those Paco hardtail frames are just so streamlined. They're so narrow in that little like window up at the top, very, very clean looking frame. But obviously once you're getting into hardtail frames like that, you have to probably relocate mounts, bungs, little things. So what's your background as far as fabrication for you to be diving into something like that? So I, I was uh,
2: building this bike when I was in high school and, um, it was like 17, 18, and I was enrolled in a tech program for welding at that time. So I started having kind of a background in welding and applying what I learned at school um, when I came home to work on the bike. Um, my dad had a little body shop MIG um, that he used for doing like body work on bike or on uh, cars and, you know, welding exhaust and stuff. And that's what I used for it. Um, that bike was all MIG welded.
1: Damn! See that one was full MIG weld, and yeah. it, dude, it, it all came out super fucking clean. I like the uh whatever you call that that wrap. It's not wrap. It's like a metal wrap that goes around that rear pipe. That like slinky stuff.
2: AutoZone Flex
1: Pipe. AutoZone, really? <laughs>
2: yeah, because I didn't know. Like, if you look at, at like an old Panhead, you see that slinky exhaust pipe. Well, I thought that was actually actually like flex pipe. I didn't know that was just a cover over a pre-bent pipe.
1: Oh, so is it, this is actually – there's that's no legitimate, pipe. legitimate.
2: That's actually flex pipe, yeah.
1: <laughs> <think> that's fucking <laughs> awesome.
2: <laughs> I mean, it sounds cheap as hell, and I, it kind of is, but, I mean, it works, and it gave me that upsweep pipe that I wanted. Dude, um,
1: if it gets the job done. I thought you and were just, I just to put the <laughs> flex pipe over your regular pipe. No, I didn't know back then. I just thought that was legitimately <laughs> flex pipes. Dude, who well, I mean, at this point, I don't think people can say that you can't do that because you did it and it worked fine. Yeah, it works. That's hysterical, dude. That's the uh the pie cuts. If you if you don't have time to do the pie cuts, you just fucking slap the flex pipe on there. Flex pipe, yeah. That's wild, dude. I love it. And that thing, so what was the condition of that motor when you first got your hands on it?
2: Uh, It was in a wrecked bike when he bought it um, and just took the motor out of it, scrapped that frame and stuff, and was going to build, he was going to build like a 2000-style chopper with it, actually. Um, And uh, the motor was fine. No, there's no damage to that um it was just i think think the bike hit a tree or something i don't really know
1: yeah dude that is super cool though that uh that it didn't have any damage to the motor so you were able to snag it out of there i don't think i've ever seen a 2000s style iron head chopper
2: like a wide tire yeah I, i don't think i have either but they sold like kits back in like early 2000s i guess to do it and he he had, like, the gas tank and the fender. He didn't have the frame and stuff. I guess he was just kind of getting everything all together to do it.
1: Yeah, that would be fucking – that would be interesting because the Ironhead frame is so fucking narrow to do, like, the big, wide tire on it. I can't imagine what the geometry would look like. Yeah, I think it would be a
2: little bit nuts.
1: I think I think you saved – I think you brought this bike to a, to a better ending point. <laughs> than it was that was originally going to end up. I mean, all the wide tire guys are going to get pissed off here, probably. But um, okay, the wide tire guys tuned out of this podcast a long time ago. So
2: <laughs> okay, I don't. I like the '60s, '70s style stuff. So I mean, that's that's what I wanted to do with it. Um, yeah, man, and it came out great. Who did the uh, the paint on the tank? Um, That was the the base coat and stuff was done by a friend of ours, Mike Doney. Um, He did like, it's actually a light green color, even though it looks white.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it looks cream uh, from this picture, at least.
2: No, green. It's like a super light green color, yeah. And then um, the infinity
1: lines were hand-painted
2: by a a guy named Ben Whitman, hand-painted all that.
1: Wow, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, those look great. Now you got the super, you got a super E under that cover. Yeah. Yep. Did you have any issues getting that to run properly? I know a lot of people that have sporties talk about how they can't get the super E to run right on their sportsters and it's hotly debated on this podcast. So I had to ask. It was on the motor when I got it and I didn't really adjust
2: anything. I didn't change jets or anything like that. I mean, it was all, as it, it ran good i ran uh i run super e's on i have one on my shovel that iron head there um i'm putting one on another iron head i'm doing they're i think they're probably one of the best carbs to just put on any bike really i mean depending on how big your motor is
1: Well, loctite and i discuss this all the time because i'm a huge fan of the super e he's not a huge fan of the super e but uh I agree, man. I feel like they just, they're easy to work on. They're easy to get parts. That teardrop bracket is like sturdy as fuck. You're never going to have the carb pop out. It's definitely yep. a, a solid setup.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's just kind of what I'm used to, to doing. I mean, and now on this Honda, I got four carbs. That was kind of uh, a learning experience there, but um, I had an SU carb one time and I probably should have kept it, um,
1: Oh, that's cool. I, I, I would like to try
2: something different eventually.
1: I've never used one of those SU carbs, the the Eliminator one, right? Like the tall, cylindrical yep. one. Yes. Yeah, I've always been curious about those, but I've never I've never had one in hand and opened it up to see how easy it, how easy or difficult it is to work on.
2: I think they're more of like a, a like fuel mileage carb, if anything, not really performance. But I mean, they they put them on cars back in the day so
1: yeah they look cool as fuck i mean you see one on a, on a bike and it definitely draws your eye
2: yeah and it, it usually has a big velocity stack which i'm into
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure i think it would definitely be it'd be touching the knee it's coming out the side yep. they look big I don't know, <laughs> yeah. maybe not as big in person but it, in photos it looks like a fucking lantern i say the same thing
2: and it it kind of works out yeah <laughs>
1: that's fucking awesome so i see you got you said you built that first bike with mig and i'm looking through your page right now and i see a a miller diversion and i see a shovel head that's getting a seat pan tigged so is that also something you learned in the automotive class or the you said it was the welding program right yep
2: welding yeah yeah i I, uh never tig welded before that and uh, my instructor taught me all all about tig welding and I loved it so much. And I went out and bought this Miller Tig, uh, the Miller Diversion 180, and have done everything with Tig since every bike build after that. My shovel head and my, my Honda now, all been Tig welded. It's
1: Willard. like God intended, man. Once you go Tig, it's, it's hard to go back. Yeah. Yep. The Diversion is a nice nice machine, too, because you got AC on that as well, if I remember correctly. Yep
2: i uh there's only one thing i don't like about it is i can't adjust my post flow yep that's it so yeah, of those things. i'm going through gas like crazy i mean if you're doing if you're welding something every so often it's not bad if you're trying to do this like every day you better get a big bottle or or get a different machine i mean
1: yeah it is tricky because i have one of the miller max stars and it does not have adjustable post flow and then i've got like an import machine that's acdc and that one does and i'd end up using the the import machine a lot more just because of that because i'm always like oh i got to do a little tack here you know two second post flow versus on the miller it'll like default to 10 so that definitely, that's one of those things too, especially if you're working on a Friday night and you're low on gas, you're like, fuck, dude.
2: Yep. One touch of that pedal and it's 10 seconds.
1: <laughs> yep. That's it for every fucking tack. But it's definitely, it's cool that you got the AC capability on it too.
2: Yeah. And I've used it um, for stuff. I I really only ran it through 110s. <laughs> Um, and that that works fine for all this the steel stuff. I mean, I did aluminum with it at, on the one ten, and uh, I just had to preheat a little bit, and it it still welded it. But I mean, it's it's not a bad machine to start with.
1: You know, offhand, I mean, I know aluminum takes a lot more amps than steel, but do you know offhand how much you can pull out of that machine when plugged into one ten? Uh, one
2: hundred twenty-five amps. Oh yeah,
1: that would be,
2: <laughs> that would be tricky for but a I can bit. go. For, it came with a 220 plug, but I don't really have 220 in my shop. So I think 220 will go up to like 180. I think, yeah, it goes up higher than
1: that. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, but for steel, the 120 is fine. Honestly, I, I would imagine you could do pretty much anything on a bike with 120.
2: Yeah, this whole, uh, This whole CB 750 was built like that.
1: So let's get into that, man. This was a bike that you built for born free or, uh, people's champ 10. Yes. So let's start at the beginning. How did you decide that you wanted to enter people's champ and how did you choose this bike for it? So I followed along with
2: it last year. Um, when I was doing my shovel head head build and, uh, they they were saying about submissions for this, this competition. And um, I guess, I guess it was two years ago that I was following along and uh, I I thought about entering. So I sent him a couple of pictures on my shovel head while I was just kind of too far along at that, at that time with it. So um, I followed along with everybody's progress and seen what they were doing, how the competition kind of flowed. And I thought, okay, I want to enter this next year. What am I going to build? Um, so I ended up buying a, uh, Santee CB 750 frame off a friend of mine and this frame like sat outside or something. It was just, it was really rough after I sandblasted it. Um, it had a lot of pitting going on. Um, but it was a swing arm chopper frame that just looked cool as hell to me. So I thought, okay, I have this a while. Um. And then I went and found somebody selling a CB750 roller in an Amen hardtail frame. Um, I went and picked that up in Delaware, brought that home, got that thing running. Um, and okay, now I have kind of the starter kit to build something cool. Um, so I knew it was coming up. It was coming like the end of the competition. They were going to start asking for people to submit uh, for next year's. So I started building the front end, which I never did before, never built my own front end. And I always liked girder front ends, um, especially on long choppers. Cause I think, I think they're stronger just kind of like the way they're set up with all the braces and stuff. And there's, there's different stuff you can do with them. So I thought I was going to build this rigid girder front end mm-hmm. and, uh, that's what I did. That's the first thing I built.
1: No for this competition.
2: End yeah.
1: Is wild, dude. Looking at this thing, you got this picture on your page of you standing next to the front end and it's it's a good two feet taller than your head when it's on the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm six foot and it's definitely I think front
2: end's six footer and maybe even a little bit longer than that.
1: Wow, dude, this picture is that's, that's funny because when I saw the picture of you stand in the front end, I immediately thought like, oh, this guy must be pretty short because like this front end so much taller than him. But if you're six feet, then that thing is a fucking <laughs> super tall front end. Yep. Yeah. And like when I was building it, I
2: fucked up and made like a miscut. And I was like, shit, now like this thing's going to be too short. And I finally like got it all done. And I'm like, maybe that cut, you know, was a good thing. <laughs> because it's definitely long enough.
1: Right? Um, dude, if it was supposed to be longer than that, that's like pretty fucking long.
2: Yeah, yep. So it was all new to me though. I mean, I just I just kind of look through old 70s chopper magazines and you know, I follow along with Chopper Swapper, see what rare stuff people are selling and I see people selling, you know, from time to time uh girders with twisted legs on them. Right, and you don't see it ever, so I thought about doing uh the top legs of this girder twisted Dude, I just thought it was cool,
1: so how did you do the twist because it's actually a really long piece of bar, and that twist is very even. I didn't
2: twist it. I had to call up a company that did uh fencing, and they oh, okay. I had to drive all the way out to Baltimore for it. It's 916 square stock that's been twisted. Um, Yeah, there was no way I was twisting that by hand.
1: I was going to say, I'm like, dude, that would be so hard to keep that straight as you're like twisting this thing out. So as far as the design of it, did you have a girder front end that you kind of modeled it off of or you're just looking at pictures and thinking like about like this? Uh, a little bit of both. I had an SBNF,
2: uh, girder at the house. Um, and I took it apart, kind of figured out where stuff was at. Um, I had a, my fury girder on my shovel head, kind of mocked some stuff up with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's hard because you don't, I've never seen a, a rigid girder that looks like a normal girder. You know what I mean? I've seen them set up kind of differently, but this looks like a normal girder just doesn't have this the suspension set up. So um just kind of base things off of those those normal girder front ends and went from there.
1: That's awesome dude. And then when you, the way the only thing I can't see in the in the photos and I'm scrolling through trying to find it is how the two pieces are connected to the axle the front axle there.
2: Just like normal uh they have axle plates the front.
1: Oh, okay, so there's an axle plate and then the two tubes are welded to that to like a small little plate.
2: Yes, yep.
1: Gotcha. Dude, that is wild. So so in order to accommodate the front end too, I'm looking at some of these pictures, you had to cut the the top of the frame out. So there's a picture of you tacking in like a I assume, a bar that's going to hold the frame in alignment as you make the cut on the gooseneck? Yeah, I didn't have
2: a frame jig, so I did it all, like, old-school way. Uh piece of, of metal on the floor, and kind of put your frame on there, weld your frame to that plate, and uh, you just kind of measure everything and figure it out.
1: Um, that is fucking... Awesome dude. <laughs> I figured guys back in the day didn't
2: have frame jigs, you know. Maybe a few did, but not many. And that's how they did it.
1: Dude, it's so cool to see. I just see that thing tagged in there. And then you got the uh the hydraulic bender. It looks like you were bending are you bending the the new frame section in that picture? Yeah, my friend Dylan
2: came over and brought his tube bender and helped me with this this gooseneck frame. And, uh, neither of us ever chopped the frame before, um, even to like this extent of replacing half of it, because half of this frame was shot. It was just so rusted out that it was like unsafe. I mean, the whole bike kind of looks unsafe now, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was bad. So unsafer. Uh, yeah. Now it looks unsafer, but back then it, yeah, it looked, looked bad. So he brought that over and we ended up using uh, some scrap like conduit to do test bends and kind of see where we were at um, with our bends and everything. And uh, that's how we did it. Dude,
1: that is super fucking cool. So you got the frame bent up to match. Did you know when you were doing the frame, like this is the angle I want the front end to be at and now I need to make the frame fit it or was it all, like what came first, the angle of the front end or the angle of the frame?
2: Uh, like the front end did, the angle of the front end. And I was kind of just winging everything because um, I never even raked a frame before. So I had no idea about the rake and trail um, Oh, and the geometry of that.
1: going to be devastating. <laughs> What's up? So we have a, we have a guy, Irappaport who listens to the podcast, who we always – give him a hard time because he's very into like measuring for the rake and trail. And we often don't measure it either. And it's always a big uh, debate about whether you should.
2: Yeah. yeah, I don't really measure for
1: that. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. And it all worked out still, huh?
2: No, it didn't. It didn't the first time. Um, Really? Yeah. So he'll probably laugh about that, but yeah, it didn't work out the first time and I had no idea how serious it could be. Um, had the neck tacked on uh the tubes for the frame down tubes and the, the backbone and everything and put the front end on and just took a picture of it posted it on the honda page to kind of be a dick you now i knew these guys would get upset about it a cb-750 <laughs> being chopped up <laughs> so, so i posted this and uh, they were like dude that's like really unsafe and i'm like Well, it's a a long rigid girder. And they're like, no, it's because of the rake and trail. They're like, I don't care how strong you are. You're not going to keep this bike going down the road um, because what it's going to do is it's going to try to push the front wheel towards the bike. And that's how the, the, um, geometry of it kind of works out. So I was sitting at, I think I was sitting at negative 18 inches on my trail number yikes i mean just like bad three to six positive inches
1: oh shit okay (laughs) so i'm not negative that's different
2: (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, it was bad um they were telling me like like you're not going to be able to steer at all it won't even go straight because it's just going to feel like you're going to have to overcompensate this steering to keep the bike um upright and you'll end up just like dumping it with that that big of a a negative trail number
1: so what did you do
2: so i had to um i had to cut the two braces off of the girder front end and turned them upside down so now my hole for the triple tree is up top um which which um, ended up kind of raising the frame up a little bit, and then I had to re rake the neck, and uh, I did all my measurements. Then once I had everything figured out about rake and trail, and now I'm sitting at um, five and three eighths inches of positive trail. So that's perfect.
1: Damn. So so by, it's it's almost like by the end you became a rake and trail guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a, a forced <laughs> conversion.
2: I mean, there's ways to mess with it and kind of cheat it, Um, like Harman front ends. I'm looking at pictures of those from the 70s on bikes, and it's like there's no way that rake and trail should work out, but somehow it did. I mean, it's – I don't know. sport. You think of sport bikes. They have, like, no trail number.
1: Right, it's like it's almost so, under under stock like rake,
2: yeah, yeah, so it, it, there's ways to to kind of mess with that, um, but I was just told three to six inches of positive um trail number is where you want to be at,
1: gotcha, and you ended up right where you need to be, yeah, yeah, so now we're so that's the frame and the front end, let's talk about. Where did the idea come from for the tank in the way that the bars come through? Because that is a wild element. <laughs> so I'm always I'm
2: building bikes in my head that I don't even own yet. I've been doing that for a while. Just I'm underneath the welding hood all day and I'm just thinking of stuff and I'm thinking of like what I can do to a motorcycle that you don't see or hasn't been done. Um, so I remember looking through um street chopper magazine and they're showcasing a seventies bike show. And there's a Ron Finch bike and it's got like one fork and it's like, how does that even work? And then yeah, you got, that's fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> you got, um, you got all these other bikes, like AEE choppers built a, a swing arm. Um, I think it was a sportster and had like no, no rear shocks. It just looks like a floating swing arm there. And it's like, how does that even work out? So it's just weird stuff that these guys did um so i'm trying to trying to think of like what i can do to kind of be like them and do something different and i thought i want to put handlebars through a gas tank and this was like a thought i had uh, a long time ago about doing it never really had a plan on what bike i would do it to kind of really how to do it but once i started seeing the way this this uh chopper was coming out I thought that would be a good idea for it. Just put the handlebars through the gas tank.
3: Is that the gas cap that's on the very top of the tank? Yep. Yep. Oh, shit. Dude, so listen, forgive me for this, because I have been thinking this whole time that you built the gas tank and then made a false front and put the bars through that. But now seeing that the gas cap is above the bars, I see that that's not the fucking case.
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's all it's all legit it uh i never built a tank never built handlebars so i just kind of started making this weird prism tank um and i mean it works out because the angle of the front end with it being a gooseneck frame it just kind of brings your handlebars at that angle towards you right so it just ended up working out nice and uh Dude, I I remember when you
3: first – the first picture you put up um, with the bars going through the tank, I was like, this kid is fucking nuts. No way that this thing's going down the road.
2: A lot of people thought that, though, and it's like you just never seen it before. I've never seen it. It could have been done. I don't know, but I've never seen it. So, you know, I kind of figured out, like, this could work out. Um, and I definitely learned a lot about it after I did it. Yeah. Cause How I would so, have done things differently.
3: So the way that bar comes through the tank, obviously like when the, the wheel and like the front end flop, that's going to push the bar over. Right. Uh, no, no, it so doesn't it just, it just stays it. right where it is. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Fucking A man. Well, listen, good on you for doing some shit that nobody else has done. Cause as you know, that is very hard to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I just kind of winged it and worked out. Especially when other people are telling you a thing, is like, oh, that's dangerous or that's like not going to be like s- structural or whatever. And and then you just got to push through and still do, still go for it and show them that it is, it takes a lot of fucking balls to sh- to just fucking shoot it and just say, nope, we're doing it.
3: Yeah. It's just crazy looking at it. Like even being a chopper guy myself. Like I was talking to Greece about this before we started the show. You just look at this bike and you're like, it looked like one of those bikes that somebody built for a show that's not that doesn't ride, like it just goes to a show. But then I was telling Greece, I'm like, dude, you go on his Instagram though, and it's just videos of this fucking kid ripping this thing down the road. <laughs> <laughs> i love it dude i love that you stand behind it it's fucking sick
2: well what i like about uh people's champ they make you ride 50 miles to cook's corner bar so whatever bike you decide to build it's got to run and ride 50 miles so i wanted to build a weird like show bike 70s style show bike but i had to make it run and ride so right can you get it 50 always- miles out of that tank no, probably not. No. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's fine. It's you probably need some gas stops and along the way anyway. But I'm I'm looking at those videos of you riding it and it does look like it's fucking tracking fine. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean,
2: once you get going, it's good, but it's the same way like when I had my rabbit ears on my shovel head, like when I rode it the first time. I was like all over the place because I wasn't was not used to the way that I would ride. Right. And so now I kind of had an idea of what this could do. So the first test ride, you know, I kind of pulled out slow and I knew I kind of had to get going, um, pick up some speed and see what it would do. And it ended up actually handling pretty good for as long as it is. That's yeah. fucking wild. Do you have any bounce in it at all? Like when you're riding? Um, A little bit. Yeah, I got the rear. Uh, they're like digger style shocks on it. I found out at the swap meet. Um, but I
3: mean, like, does a front end flex let, like bounce a bunch when you're at it? And it was just
2: pretty solid. It's pretty solid. I added these two braces in. Um, there was a builder out of Massachusetts named Kelsey Martin. And he had a really long girder front end. And then he had these single T-bar handlebars. That's where <laughs> I kind of pulled that inspiration from. Um, that was on a, a supercharged uh, triumph. He did. But he had these braces in. Um, between the legs of the girder front end. And, you know, I'm thinking about it, and I didn't really want to add them in because, you know, just the look of it. But I'm thinking I don't want all my hard work to just be bent in half one ride down the road. Right. You know, so I added them braces in, and it stiffened up that front end a lot um, to the point it, it has some flex in it, but not as much as most rigid front ends do. Right. Oh, I so see what you're kind of talking
1: about. Yeah, you barely notice them, too. It's just like one little bar on each side about halfway down is what you're talking about, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, you hardly see it. I honestly didn't even notice it until you mentioned it. Yeah, I'm I'm
2: glad I added them just because I didn't want this spent in half, really. <laughs> I mean, so it's, I it's made out of DOM, thick DOM, but, but still, you know. So I came on the this uh episode a little
3: late. Um did you guys talk about why you chose the C B?
2: No, I don't think so.
3: Yeah, we didn't mention that yet. So. What what was the thinking behind that? Was it just like something you had, or like you were just like trying to do completely the opposite of like what people are doing right now?
2: Uh so I bought that frame because I wanted to do a little CB750 chopper nothing like like this what i just built i just kind of wanted to build you know something with a little bit longer front end and just kind of cruise it around and it ended up turning into this but a cb they're so cheap to pick up compared to a harley now right i mean i paid 800 bucks for this this engine like this roller i bought right right i have one
3: sitting in my shop that is about to Go under the knife. And it just like almost like the same reason what you're saying is like, there's so much cheaper to build right now compared to like, because everybody's into the shovels right now. So like the shovel prices have gone through the fucking roof. Yes. Um, and it's like something to be said, like when you go back to like the Denver chopper guys, like they built some gnarly fucking CBs. Yeah.
2: And you know I, I mean? tell people back in the day, it was Harleys, Hondas, and Triumphs. That's right. what you've seen. Yep. And for some reason, these engines are just so cheap compared to Harley's that I don't know why more people don't uh, build them. I mean, they're cool and they sound good, too.
1: I think that it's partially because the the amount of work for, that you've got into this bike. I mean, the bike came out incredible, but I think not everybody has that level of fabrication capability. And a lot of people probably stick to the Harleys just because parts availability gives them less to do. You could buy, you know, the stock or like a uh, like a rigid frame and just drop it in, not have to fabricate everything. But somebody like you can fucking go balls to the wall and just deck this thing out and not have to blow crazy money on the motor. Right. Right. I mean, I love my
2: Harleys, too. I have them. I mean, I love them, but. I think you know somebody kind of getting into choppers. If they can find a CB project chopper or something, then you can still build it on the cheap and make it work. I mean, it doesn't have to be all out fabrication um, and welding involved with these end, with these bikes, these CB 750s. Right now, how you, how you know, can,
1: the motor? Because now you've got a shovel, you've got the iron head, and you've got this. How does this compare to like your shovel as far as speed capability and like top speed and off the line? <laughs> I mean, I don't really know yet. I haven't really got on it a lot on
2: the CB. I mean, sure. I just kind of just trying to get used to it first, um, but it, it has some shit to it. I mean, it. I'm curious what it'll do. I'm, I'm not fine. really trying to do not really trying to do 90 miles an hour on it, but yeah, um, fuck that it, yeah. it gets up, <laughs> it gets up and goes, you know for for what
1: it is. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I can see you wanting to feel it out and see how it yeah how it comes together.
2: Would you run for a carb setup on that thing? They're just stock uh, 76 Honda carbs. Okay that's
3: one thing I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my. Cause I'm not trying to run four carburetors.
1: Yeah. What was, talk a little bit about that. What was the process of um, putting the four, getting the four carbs to all, did you have to like sink them? Did you have to change any jetting? Was it a pain in the ass or did it all go smooth?
2: Um, when I got it, the, the carbs are on the motor and everything, but this bike sat outside um, for who knows how long and, um, a friend of mine, Skinny Jimmy, they call him, uh, helped me kind of tune this thing and we didn't really mess with the carbs and, uh, it ran. And then I ended up buying one of them carb sinking, uh, kits with all the yeah. four, four gauges on it and, uh, started to dial that in a little bit more, ended up, uh, rebuilding the carbs too, just because, but, um, it's really not too bad to sync them.
1: Yeah, that tool, I, I what do they call it, like a manometer? I think um, that's one of those things that a lot of people probably should own, but nobody does. Well, I mean, if you have a hobby <laughs> like, there's no sense to like really have one. I think I know at least five people personally that have excess 650s with two carbs and not one person owns it.
3: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a hundred percent true. You just keep fucking with like, throwing jets at it until you figure it out.
1: Yeah. You just go Well, like, I didn't change that much. So like, how could they be very different? And then you just never check.
2: Just <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. kind of just wing it, man.
3: Swing it. So I want to ask is this, so when you finish this bike, how far did it go from your first ideas to what it ended up being? Was it pretty spot on what you originally thought, or did you end up changing a bunch of shit?
2: Um, it was pretty pretty spot on. Um, I just had I didn't really draw anything up. I just kind of had it all in my head, yeah, what I wanted to do. And um, when it came to like the fender, like I wasn't going to do a crazy Frank style uh, prism fender on it, and uh, I was just going to do like a round fender. Um, but I just thought. If I'm going to put a, a prism tank on it, I'll try to do some weird back fender and that, and right. you know, changing the ideas a little bit. Um, but I just kind of piece stuff together from different show bikes in the '70s and kind of put all that into one. And this is what I came up with.
1: As your, uh, I know you said your dad bought that Ironhead. Does he have a like a separate bike that he also rides? with you. uh
2: he had a street glide for a little bit <laughs> um but he's never never had choppers i mean he rode you know years ago like stock sportsters and stuff like that but he never really had any custom uh motorcycles
1: that's what I, kind of, I, I was looking for because i'm so curious to know what is what is your dad's take on this bike that you built he loves it and I try to I try to include my dad in everything I do
2: because That's he sick. he learns from it and I mean he's taught me so much over the years too so I try to take him to every motorcycle show and try to have him involved with everything and he's learning a lot
1: That's awesome man. Do you think you'll ever uh sell him on the idea of building a chop and you guys chopping together?
2: Yeah, I want to. Um I want to build something uh for him or just build something with him um, probably not to like this level um, of a long front end, but you know, something just like an old, like 60 style chopper kind of shorter chopper that he can just cruise around on with me and we'll yeah. figure it out. someday.
1: Like Hardtail double, be- you know, something, something simple, but still cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, even a big twin Evo or something. I don't know. Hey, there you go. I love those. So what was the deal with the paint? Do you
3: have like a hand in like designing that or were you like fucking just do your thing? Because like obviously he has the reputation of banging out some pretty serious paint jobs.
2: Yeah, so so Barry, um, his Instagram's depth of image uh paint, he reached out to me about wanting to paint this bike and he he was like, dude, this looks kind of like a Kelsey Martin style bike, and I'm like, Yeah, exactly. So we were on the same page. Um he's out of New Hampshire. Yeah, he's not far from us. So he uh I th- I told him I said I want a lot of candy colors, I like infinity lines and I like flames. Um as 70s as you can think and fully molded and he's like I got you. So I kind of let him do his own thing. I picked out all the colors but he he surprised me the whole time with with what he was doing and I couldn't be happier with the paint job. Yeah, dude, I love, like, the inf- how the infinity lines are, like,
3: almost, like, ghosted in there tiny throughout the frame. It just, he absolutely fucking killed it.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, it's just something you don't see uh, nowadays. It's, you see people do it, you know, it's black bikes um, with orange flames, and I got one of them. But it's just, like, <laughs> a weird 70s paint job trying to bring it back.
3: Yeah. And uh the the craziest thing about this paint job is like when you look at it from afar, it just looks like a mayhem of crazy bright colors. But then when like when you're actually looking at it, like you see the flames and the infinity
2: lines, you know what I mean? It yeah. thing's super fucking rad. Yeah, there's so much detail in it. That's just I, I looked at it for hours just trying to figure out what he, he did. And it's like there's a lot of inspiration that went into it. Yeah, sure. I love the white base on it, too. Yeah, that's a... That um, has pearl in it. It's oh, a, shit. a pearl pearl white. Yeah, that really
3: makes that bright paint pop. Yeah, the,
1: the fucking paint sets it off. The front end sets it off. How, how did the shocks work on the back? Like, do you, do you feel like they still have a decent amount of give to them or is it more decorative? They work. Yeah,
2: they do work. Um, it's, I've never really talked to anybody that ran them before. Like they were popular on diggers and I've seen them on like one or two shovel head builds, but it's just a really small shock setup. Um, And it just has enough spring in it to kind of, you have suspension in the rear just a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's got to be, I feel like that it it must help with the handling. I know that bikes with suspension, we all love hardtails, but I know suspension bikes tend to throw themselves in and out of the corners like just that little bit more effectively. Do you feel like it helps offset the front end? Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I've, I've gone over some
2: bumps with this thing, just riding it. And I feel, I feel the suspension and it all kind of just works together somehow. I didn't really plan that, but it just, it does. I'm happy with how it,
1: how it rides. Fuck yeah, man. So is it, is it totally done or are there still things that you plan to change on it in the future? It's done. Yeah. That's a great feeling, huh? Yeah a lot of stress
2: off of me. <laughs> so let me ask, Darren, people's champ,
3: were you, like, worried about making it all the way, or were you like, I know I'm building a
2: badass motherfucking bike? <laughs> I was just having fun. You know, I like I was telling uh, Greece, like, I just started off with um, I just started off with a front end, and yep. The other guys in it, the other twenty three, um, had frames and wheels and everything, and they kind of had everything all locked up and I didn't really have anything. I just had a front end. And uh I'm like, I'm just gonna give it a shot and if I'm make- where it goes, I'm just having fun.
3: Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. That's badass. Is it this- so this is your first time ever building for like a show, right? Yep, yep. Super stressful. Very even when I, just when I did Greasy Dozen, dude, I was so stressed out. And I think it was because, which is, I feel like it was kind of good because it really pushes you to, like, put in those extra hours in the shop. Yep. But fucking A, man, I would much rather just build a bike on my own because, like, <laughs> dude, I had to take, like, three months off out of my garage after the fucking Greasy Dozen.
2: <laughs> yeah, you need, like, a mental break from it's it. It's crazy. It's, like, all you <laughs> think about. Yeah. And then I had to balance a full time job on top of it. Um, So I would, I'm second shift. So I would work on this before work every day, go to work and weld. It was like nonstop welding. What do you do for for months? Um,
1: I do, I'm a government welder.
2: I uh, build nuclear components for the Navy.
1: Is it mainly like TIG, stick, MIG? Is it all different things? Uh, All of the above.
2: Yeah, MIG, TIG, uh, stick uh, flux core
1: sub arc dude that's awesome so this must be but i do know what you're saying because i also am a full-time welder so it's like you go to work you're under the hood you come home and you're like all right time to put this hood back on <laughs> down in the garage. <laughs> yep. and it definitely yeah. there's days where you're like i'm fucking sick of this shit yeah yeah but you just got to keep on going yeah, the nice part is when when whatever you're welding at work is the opposite. Like when I switched to doing more structural stick at work, I would come home and TIG, and it felt like a little more approachable because I'm like, at least this is different from what I was doing all day. Yeah. So yeah, have I, you had I, like – just... go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I just love TIG welding. So, I mean, at work, I haven't really gotten an opportunity to TIG weld a lot. So coming home and doing it. Um was a little break, but it's still, like you said, throwing the hood back on and, okay, now I got to cut this. I got to grind that. It's almost the same as what I was doing for eight hours.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is tricky, man. I There was a time when I did all, like, high-detail stainless TIG at work, and then I came home and did the bike stuff, and I was like, I need to quit this job so I could have, like, some variety in the life. But it definitely – what you're doing on this bike does seem like so far out of the box that it, it would always be refreshing to come home and do that kind of thing. Yeah.
3: So have you had anybody since completing this, like hit you up about like building bikes for them or a show that they're doing or anything like that? Cause I know like this is how Christian Newman and Hawk Lachey they pretty much battled it out. And that really blew up, like, their career in this industry.
2: Um, not so much uh, building bikes for people yet. Um, I am doing a bike currently for a friend of mine. Um, but, yeah, I had uh, Paul Tuttle Sr. was messaging me about it, which was pretty cool. No shit. Yeah. he. Uh, I mean, he's a big name in the motorcycle community. And he was asking about it. He's like, dude, I love this bike. I love the paint. And he ended up messaging messaging uh depth of image about the paint job and I think maybe they're trying to to work something out there, which is cool. Yeah. That's wild, dude. Um Denver's Choppers, Mondo. Yep. Yeah. I uh, was commenting on on uh the the post I was making uh when I first started doing the gooseneck and figuring out the front end and he loved it. Oh. So i really Dude, that's I like I can, that's like the ultimate high when you're building the CB 750 to have Mondo fucking
3: <laughs> yeah. comment on it.
2: <laughs> I, I'm really hoping to meet him someday.
3: Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it does feel good, um, and then I got you know Born Free builders uh, telling me I'm doing good, and yeah, that's what I was gonna helps. ask you it if keeps if, me going. if Born Free reach out to you once you get out there.
3: And ask you to build a bike next year for Born Free. Is that something you're into? Or are you trying to take
2: a little bit of time off? <laughs> I would like to take time off, but I mean, I don't think I could. I don't think so. Yeah. It would be such a, a good opportunity um, to try to just throw out some more ideas
3: that I have. And yeah. And, build and to, another bike. to be honest, man, and not because you're on the show, but I would be very surprised if you do not get an invite to Born Free next year. That bike is ridiculous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't even really have a plan what I would build next year. I don't know, and that's a tough thing. there's when you build a bike like that, it's like, okay, well, you
3: just set the bar for your next one. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so that like the next one has <laughs> to be even more
2: fucking wilder. I just I like to build weird stuff, you know, uh, using engines that you don't really see. I mean, I have stuff in mind want to find a, uh, it's called a Jap engine. Um, they're from, from England. They're like really hard to get, but I thought it'd be cool to do a chopper using one of them or maybe a, one of the Suzuki, uh, rotary engines yep. out of their motorcycles. No, know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what I can find.
3: <laughs> yeah. And it, and to be honest, it's super impressive that you're doing this kind of work at the age that you're at. Thanks. You know what I mean? Because, like, how old are you now? 22. Yeah. So, like, when I was 22, dude, I was, like, passing out in the woods, like, from being drunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just being a straight shitbag, not doing anything cool. Like, I probably thought I
2: was cool, but I definitely was not doing cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing pictures. I'm seeing pictures from the 60s, and it's, like, so-and-so on his, his knucklehead at 18 years old. It's like, what the fuck? Like this dude was building them at 18. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I'm glad I got into it.
3: And yeah, it, it's rad show, that you got into it so young, man.
2: Yeah. And I could just show like what I've learned uh, through welding jobs and, you know, just going to motorcycle shows and asking people questions, how how to do things and just applying all that into something. right? They're art, you know, choppers are art. Yeah, 100 percent agree.
3: So I know I'm, I would assume that whenever somebody looks at that bike, their favorite part is going to be the bars coming through the tank. But like
2: since you've had your hands on everything, what's your favorite part about it? I, I'm really digging the exhaust pipe setup. Four upsweep pipes. Yeah. Just kind of the way that ties in with the front end it's like at the same angle as the front end i don't know that's kind of what's aesthetically pleasing to me about it i mean i love everything on it um i'm really happy about how it, how it turned out but that's just kind of what draws my eye to it right yeah that's always been one thing that i've been like pretty
3: pumped about for the cb that i got is like it just opens up so many more like creative ideas when you have four pipes to work with. You know, it's like you would literally do the crazy shit.
2: Yeah. yeah. But
3: I, I I do like how you have that going at the same angles in front of it. it, really ties it together.
2: It was a lot of work doing these pipes. <laughs> I mean, I've done I've I've done some exhaust pipe stuff on choppers, but not to like this level. Like like I was saying earlier, this bike is a combination of everything I've learned. And all my skills put into one, um just see what I could do. That's it was a whole learning experience, and I did it all with with basic tools. That's that's what I really want people to to know is that you don't need high dollar shop to build something like this. You can build this in your garage. I use Harbor Freight tools to do this thing. okay
3: oh, yeah, dude, that's what I love. You know, year.
2: it's. You don't need fancy stuff. It's nice to have it and I wish I had it, but it's not needed. I mean, I I didn't use a frame jig. I used my my motorcycle lift to as like a welding table when I was building my front end because I didn't have a welding table. So you you don't need to invest a ton of of money into tools um and equipment to to build something cool. Just use what you got and have fun with it. Yeah. I love that you use the moon pedals. Yeah, that's a gas pedal and a brake pedal. Yeah, from, I uh, love that for cars.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I had almost that same. Um, you remember the old moon ones that look like boot prints? Yeah, Yep. So I had those for my shovelhead build, and I just couldn't get them to work. They stuck out too far. Actually, I think I gave them the grease. Um, so yeah, I just love that how it has like that like corrugated like diamond. Shit in it, yeah. <laughs> it's all cast. Yeah, I love those fucking things.
2: <laughs> Moon Eyes made cool stuff. You know, they, I got it. Ta- I got their brand tattooed on me. I love Moon Eyes, so I okay. want to try to try to add that in there somehow. It's just dope that, like, even the
3: pedals go with like everything else. You know what I mean? Like, you got everything on it's essentially squared out. Yep, and then yep. you got the square edge. You just tied it together, fucking perfectly, man. <laughs>
2: Like I said, this was all, like, in my mind, like, how I kind of wanted
1: to do this, Just planned it out. Yeah, man, and it came out fucking so dope. It's really, like, a one-of-a-kind kind kind of bike that nobody else is ever going to build the same thing.
2: Thank you.
3: So I know, like, a lot of these guys, like, once they build bikes like this, (laughs) shows will, like, want to, like, get that bike at, like, a lot of shows. Like, we had Hawk on, and he talked about it, like, his bike was, like, being shipped, like, Japan and fucking pretty much all over the world, and he's not even there. Mm. You know what I mean? Is that something that you're open to, like, if people hit you up for that? Or are you, like, not trying to (laughs) just (laughs) let this thing be out in the wild? (laughs) As far as, like, having it at shows or... Yeah, because, like, like, he was saying, like, it was shipped out. Like, it was, like, essentially his bike was, like, on tour. And he wasn't even there. You know what I mean? Like, it was being shipped around to, like, Japan and Germany and fucking wherever else. You know what I mean?
2: That would have me nervous.
3: Yeah. I I, I uh, said yeah. the same thing when he said that. I was like, how
2: do you do that? <laughs> yeah, that would uh, that'd be a little nerve-wracking, honestly. Just because, like, I know how it all works. Right. You know, and I, I'm not there to explain it. To somebody and I'm just so like I'm so careful with it now because I don't want anything to get scratched or you know, there's so much time into it. So I don't know. I mean we'll see, but <laughs>
3: would you go to Moon Eyes with it? Absolutely. Dude, that would be so sick. So sick. I mean Hawk that's- was talking about that when we had him on him with him going over there. That's like a once in the, like that's a once in a lifetime kind of thing to do, man. If you get to go over to Japan and fucking bring your bike. Super sick. <laughs> that that would be – that's a dream, man.
1: That's Yeah. What time of year is that show, too? Is that like uh, summer? Is it their time summer? Um,
2: I, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about that. Uh, I know it was – I think it was like just before Born Free is when they had it. Now, this year, I don't know when they're having it. Um, so I'm not really sure what it is over there, what it's like. It does seem like they, it. they ride them in, they
1: ride all the bikes in. So I feel like every picture I see of people riding over there, they have like a down jacket on. I remember Hawk saying, remember he was saying that it
3: was like, it was much colder over there and he was like having a bitch of a time getting a, that bike to start. So wow. I'm pretty sure it's cold over there at like that said, point when they never show. see
1: I never see pictures of people over there riding without jackets on, ever. That's always true. <laughs> jacket under a vest. Like, now that I, now always that I winter? think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Insulated jackets 100% of the time. And now whoever's listening to this, next time you see a picture, watch. They're wearing a fucking jacket. I promise. <laughs> I never really thought about that. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> or maybe it's just a style thing. I don't know. <laughs> it could be, could be both. <laughs> but yeah that would be super cool to take it to something like that and obviously all the things around here i'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to be wanting to see it you got to yeah. meet up with uh chicken rick too right i was just yes your yep. youtube channel i saw you on there just last night i was scrolling back through something where, where did you guys meet up um so i was on the way
2: to new hampshire to drop off everything for paint and uh my mom lives in Connecticut and she's only like half an hour from Rick. So, so I went out to New Hampshire and came back and spent the night at her place. And, uh, I hit up Rick. And I'm like, Hey, you want to hang out? Like I'm, I'm close, <laughs> not in Pennsylvania. So he's like, yeah, man, come on down.
1: That's fucking awesome, man. And you were on the first, his first YouTube video. Yeah. 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 He's like, Hey, I got this weird idea for a, youtube
2: channel, um if you want to be on it, you can I'm like, okay, let's try it I mean that was my that was my first video interview, so I'm like super nervous um and then now Biltwell came and did another video interview, and I was nervous as hell, <laughs> so I mean, but I'm trying to get better at it, you know it's it was fun though it was definitely fun seeing Rick and doing that
1: I mean, you definitely feel a lot. You don't, it doesn't sound like you're nervous on this one. So it seems like you're getting the hang of it now. Well, I'm not on video.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I see it.
1: It's just a video part that makes it more awkward. <laughs> it's it's tough. Yeah.
2: Um, it's like with Bill Cave, okay, they had like this bright LED light in my face. And they're like, okay, just, you know, don't do this. You should try to do this. And, and it, I got to keep all that in my mind and try to figure out what to talk about and hopefully i don't fuck up because i'm going to sound dumb on the video you yeah. know i don't
1: know. it's, don't it's, worry. it's the whole world will watch it it's fine yeah they, they
2: definitely will yeah.
1: that's awesome man but yeah i can imagine a lot of these people want to get uh, the same thing we're doing right here just get the the backstory on it and all the questions that they that they want that they've been asked like we've had a lot of people write to us about like dude you got to get this guy on we love that bike and we're thinking the same thing so it's it's awesome to finally hear the backstory on how it all got put together and to find out that it's done without a frame jig too in in very basic tools is fucking rad man yeah and i i love people uh messaging me with
2: their questions and and their support like it definitely helps out a ton um because I was there when I was doing my first build you know I was asking a ton of people questions and like I said some people didn't get back to me some did and you know we all got to we all got to work together to keep the tradition of choppers alive and keep doing cool stuff you know
1: this is true man hey I, I meant to ask you too I thought that is that bike have from the factory an internal oil tank and you added that external one or is it external from the factory?
2: External. Yeah.
1: I did not know that.
2: Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy that sells a a dry pump setup for them. Yep. But I already had this oil tank uh, on the bike. So I'm like, I already use (laughs) this. So um, that's hidden behind these side covers on here.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Because like I was looking just at under that. the seat. Yeah. I saw the fill plug under the seat and I was trying to get trying to make sense of where the oil tank begins and whether it was just like molded in there.
2: I seen a, uh, I seen a picture of an AEE chopper. Um, it was like a Honda 450. That's some chicks riding in the 70s. This green Honda and it's got these big side panels on it. And like I'm reading through about their bikes and they're saying that even though everything is molded, nothing is, is permanent on the bike. It can all be taken off. So I was like, okay, I want to try to do these side panels here to hide this oil tank and kind of make everything flow. Um, And that was, that was just two pieces of steel. And then I had some round stock. I've been around it for the molding. Um, it's amazing well to it.
1: see how deeply in there that oil tank is tucked and to think that it comes out. And meanwhile, I managed to weld my oil tank permanently into my bike by accident. <laughs> <laughs> like The way I put the mount on and I couldn't get it out and I had to cut it out. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> dude. how the hell does this thing come out of here from like yeah. this depth of that inner frame?
2: I mean, this, it wouldn't be easy to take out this isn't like pull the seat off and it's coming out i mean it's right (laughs) you'd have to you'd have to finagle like a couple things here but if i mean if you wanted to strip the whole bike down it all comes apart gas tank seat fender side panels you know
1: that's true yeah taking the gas tank off has uh at least one extra step
2: yeah you gotta pull the handlebar out which was something i designed like i thought in my mind when i was doing it I want to have the handlebars come out of the tank if needed. So that's, I built this like riser setup. up. Um, I think I used a five eight stainless round stock, um, solid round stock. And then I had these braces in. So the handlebar runs into a piece of pipe, just a little bit bigger than the diameter of the actual handlebar, which is one inch. Mm-hmm. And then I have, I drilled two holes through the handlebar and through this pipe, and welded in um, a, a threaded bung into the handlebar. Two threaded bungs.
1: Yep, I see what you're saying. So here. it's
2: bolted. That. It's bolted straight through this this outside tube, running through the handlebars. That's what holds it all together. Is two.
1: Is it uh, two, two through bolted through the other side, or is it a blind bung and, you, and it tightens down? Just through, through the other side. Okay, so there's a knot on the back? Yeah, gotcha. Dude, yeah, it's that was kind of a that was a safety thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. You know, so they can't back out without fucking some effort.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That setup is super cool, and it, and it's got a um for the for the listeners. There's a there's a photo on his page of what he's talking about. It's like a double H that kind of meets with that front end almost the way that like a regular set of handlebars would come out of the the top triple tree and then bolt through. So that's super rad, man. That's a really cool design. And still, like you said, makes it removable so you could pop it off if you had to. Yeah, just in case.
2: I didn't know another way to do it, really. I just, I had to do like a riser setup, so that's just kind of what I came up with. I mean them like double H, that's just bracing. Um, but that's all stainless. And the handlebars are stainless too. It was all polished by my friend Bob at Alternative Chrome.
1: That's a fucking great name for somebody that does some stainless polishing. Yeah, he did all the uh
2: he did all the prep work for everything that got chrome too. Oh wow. Yeah, so big thank you to Bob for helping me out with that. That was cool. And I want to shout out um, Kelsey Moonrider who did the seat for me. Oh, yeah. yeah they, that they seat came out me. so nice. Yeah, she did this. Uh, I built a seat pan and uh, another person to just reach out to me. Hey, I'd love to do the seat for it. And I went through her page and she did great upholstery work in the past. So um, I figured, what's, okay, let's, let's do it. What's her Instagram name? It's moon Rider. It's, um, it's zeros instead of O's Moonrider. Nope. Um, but she killed it. She got it done quick and, um, she helped me figure out what pattern and materials to use. It's, it's velvet. I was going to ask if it was velvet. It definitely looks yeah. it. I fucked up in my interview and said it was suede. So yeah, it's velvet. <laughs> i don't know what the real difference is but
1: that's right we got
2: the I, nobody does <laughs>
3: the only person, the only
2: people that know the difference are the people that make seeds. <laughs> it's velvet though so it's crushed velvet a dark blue crushed velvet on the sides and then the center is this um it's a lighter blue swirl velvet pattern in the middle oh shit yeah yeah but she killed it and uh I think her, uh, her books are still open. So if you need a, a custom seat upholstered, not even just for a motorcycle, it, it could be a car seat or, um, door panels or whatever. Give her a shout out.
1: Loctite for the rat rod, bud.
3: Yeah. Nah, the rat rod just got some little leather bucket seats. <laughs> <laughs> you can have some. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing nice going on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> have some zebra, some zebra <laughs> bucket seats. A zebra headliner would be
1: dope. (laughs) There you go. That's fucking awesome though, man. So now you got the summer to rip around on this, uh, this finished build. You got any trips planned? Um, so
2: I'll be at born free, obviously, um, showing that off. And then I'll be at glory days in Pittsburgh. Um, it's another really good motorcycle show. Um, and then it's, I uh,
1: I don't know what else is planned yet. We'll have to see. That's awesome, man. Well, it's definitely a killer fucking build. I can't wait to see it in person. Glory Days might be uh, the place to catch it because that's not even that far from us. Yeah. Yeah, you ought to come out. It's a good time. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Well, that is definitely the basics of the stuff that we wanted to cover, but if there, is there anything that you built on the bike that we didn't mention that yet that you wanted to bring up that you had like a fun time making or that you're really proud of? I don't want to leave anything out. Yeah. Yeah. I can. um, So the, the
2: floorboards, um, there's a piece of twisted um, uh, square stock that bolts to the frame. That was just a $5 swap meet highway bar is what that was originally that I just cut down and now I have my twisted uh piece and then I welded uh a piece of DOM tubing on it to bolt to the frame and a, a flat plate um for my uh floorboard. Um the the supports between the, the exhaust pipes at the back that was uh twisted flat stock I twisted that in the vise real quick and it ended up working out. Um, the sissy bar that was left over from, I think I had a bunch of other little twisted sections that I bought a while back and I just, I welded a bolt to my little outside welding table. That's not even remotely flat or square and just bent it around and kind of eyeballed shit and it ended up working out. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's you can do cool, cool stuff without a lot, really.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the floorboards in that picture you've got of all the things disassembled, and they are fucking cool, man. With that twisted stock coming in off of them, and I didn't even realize it was twisted stock holding, uh, for the exhaust bracket. That twisted yeah, yeah. flat stock.
2: That's fucking rad, dude. I had a uh, a twisted brake rod I bought at only... like last year um so i wanted to try to put as much twisted stuff on this as i could um because of the front end so i mean it's not overdone but it's
1: i think I, it's enough <laughs> yeah enough twist it's tastefully done yeah you've got yeah, you elements go. but it's not like every part
3: so uh, before we close out, i just want to ask do you recommend people try to get into build for the bill well people, stamp.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you have a a project bike and you have a vision for it, I would recommend following along with the competition, trying to, you know, see what these guys are doing this week, what they're going to do next week, you know, and try to see if you can fit that into your schedule and, and build something wild. Um it was a it's a good experience really. And um it it definitely will teach you a lot and it brings uh you and your friends together for sure. And I I would definitely recommend that for everyone to try out.
1: Fuck yeah, man. I think that's perfect. I hope it motivates somebody to to do exactly that. Good deal, Brussels. <laughs> Well, hey, thank you, dude, for coming on to talk to us about this. The people are going to be stoked to hear all the details of it. Um, hopefully, if people have more questions, can they reach out to you directly? To, is the best way to just shoot you a DM. Yeah, yeah, hit me up. Yeah, I'm always on my phone, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get back to you and I'll try to help you as best as I can. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much again for coming on and for being willing to have people reach out to you. I'm looking forward to seeing. The next thing you build whenever that time comes. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. You got it brother. We will talk to you soon. All right. See ya. All right guys. Big shout out again to Clay for joining us for that interview. Super appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing the next bike that he pumps out. Before we close it down here. Let's take a quick second to thank some of the people who make this show possible. First up. We got Deadbeat Customs out there in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. I got a chance to swing by the shop. Steve's new place is fucking killer. Go on, check it out in person if you haven't been, and go to deadbeatcustoms.com for your next order. Next, we got Hypnic Jerk Customs out in Sydney, Australia, killing the taillight game. I got one on my bike. A bunch of the homies got them. They are hard to come by here in the state, so when they are in stock, order that motherfucker. Go to hypnickjerkcustoms.com and follow Hypnick Jerk Customs on Instagram. Next up, we got the homie John Stay Strong Co., the maker of the dopest hot sauce in the motherfucking game. Go get yourself a jar and follow the man on Instagram at Stay Strong Co, LLC. Next up, we got Steel City Blacksmithing, crushing the twisted frame game. A lot more projects in the works. If you need something smithed up, We forgot we've been saying the Smithed Up. If you need something Smithed Up, hit up Steel City Blacksmithing. Great motherfucking dude. And again, if you have not checked out the Beginner's Luck build that he just finished up, that thing is out of this world. Go take a look and follow Steel City Blacksmithing on Instagram. Next up, we got Ray's Hell Motorcycle Co. out there in upstate New York doing custom work, full builds, got a full merch line, and a whole lot more. The homie Ben Daly... Is behind Raise Hell Motorcycle Co. So follow them on Instagram at Raise Hell Motorcycle Co. Very easy to remember. And keep an eye on his personal page, Raise Hell Daily, to check out the long dong shovel build that he's got going on. Super fucking stoked to see how it turns out. And then last but not least, we got the homie Dan Bliss in Manchester, New Hampshire, the man behind No Luck Paint Works. Go to No Luck Paintworks on Instagram. Give it a follow. Check out his, his uh, work. And if you need a paint job for this summer, do not wait till June, as we are fond of saying on this show. Get it to him right away. He's booking up quickly for the summer. Um, he's going to be doing my bike. He's done Astro Man's bike. He's got tons more in the works. No Luck Paint Works on Instagram give the man a motherfucking follow all right so that takes us to the end of this week's episode so to close us out this week in true clay crick fashion here we will say you don't need fancy tools to build killer bikes so use what you got and get started tonight fast
0: on a rough road riding high through the mountains climbing twisting turning My home Young Like a new moon Rising fierce Through the rain and lightning Wandering out Into this great unknown And I don't want no one To cry But tell them if I don't survive